from St. Louis Public Radio. This is Politically Speaking. For the past few years, progressive groups around the country have funded ballot initiatives in Republican states like Missouri to change redistricting processes. It's a movement that's been embraced by some of the top leaders of the National Democratic Party, including former President Barack Obama. And once the next census rolls around, and we have the most up-to-date picture of America's population, we should change the way our districts are drawn. But this Democratic rhetoric on redistricting is being substantially compromised by what's happening now in Illinois. Democrats who control state government are pushing through maps that will undoubtedly harm Republicans. And Democratic leaders like Senate President Don Harmon see the idea of fairness differently from his Republican counterparts. Democrats uh, are happy to battle on ideas and our ideals. And I think that a a fair map process that reflects the diversity of the state is one in which Democrats can compete for votes. On the latest episode of Politically Speaking, Hannah Meisel of NPR Illinois and St. Louis Public Radio's Eric Schmidt joined me to talk about map making in the land of Lincoln and what it says about the contentious every 10-year process. Let's hit the music. This is the Politically Speaking podcast, the definitive show about Missouri politics. We have to talk about things that matter to people. I've tried to bring that same aggressive iconoclast style with me to uh, the United States Senate. I think my district is a model for the state. We put Missourians first. You just kind of have to find the common ground with people. I believe that this district deserves someone who represents their values. After I came back to St. Louis, I started thinking that I could have a bigger role on the change that I wanted to make. And welcome to Politically Speaking. I'm your host, St. Louis Public Radio political correspondent, Jason Rosenbaum. We are taking a step back from Missouri politics today uh, to talk about something that's going on in Illinois. And to do that, I have two excellent people who cover the land of Lincoln very well. First is my colleague from St. Louis Public Radio. Eric Schmidt. I cover the Metro East. And for the first time on this show, from NPR Illinois, our very special other co-host today is... Hannah Meisel. I cover the state legislature here in Springfield. Thank you both so much for joining me on a topic that I've wanted to delve into literally for years, and that is redistricting in Illinois. It is not a secret to people that listen to this show that I am a little bit obsessed with this topic, but primarily on the Missouri side, but I'm also obsessed with Illinois redistricting too. Hannah, for for people in Missouri or people who may live in the Metro East in Illinois that don't understand how the process works, can you give a little bit of a sense of how this once every 10 year process works in in Illinois? Oh my God, how much time do you have? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Okay, so uh, usually we would get uh, census data around April and then... um, uh, you know, folks have uh, the legislature, they are empowered by the Constitution to, uh, you know, take the spring to make maps. Now, there is a June 30th trigger in the Constitution. If uh, lawmakers uh, don't pass maps and the governor doesn't sign them by June 30th, the process is taken out of lawmakers' hands and punted to an appointed bipartisan commission. Uh, and and three of the four times this has ever happened, they've deadlocked. Uh, now, 
when you deadlock, then there is a ninth uh, kind of uh, tiebreaker person, and that uh, it's two uh, opposite person names put forward and uh, picked out of a hat in the year 1991, uh, picked out of a crystal bowl, and that person is a tiebreaker. And, um, you know, winner takes all, basically. So most of the times uh, this has ever happened, Democrats have controlled the remap process. But in that 1991 crystal bowl drawing, uh, Republicans got to control the maps. And, you know, they went on to control the state Senate for 10 years. So it is a very big deal. Now, of course, since uh, the COVID pandemic delayed census data, uh, getting to the states, um, and it won't be available until about August, uh, mid to late August, um, Democrats want to avoid the possibility of having to give Republicans any sort of edge. And so they're going to try to do what they did 10 years ago, which is because we have a Democratic control of the uh, state House, Senate, and governor's office, just pass them through and be done with it. So I want to play a clip now from U.S. Senator Dick Durbin, and this was uh, from an interview that Eric had with him on another topic. And and the Illinois Democratic senator talks about why redistricting has to happen now, even though the granular census data isn't going to be available until probably August or September. Legislature's in a bind. The federal government did not produce the census under President Trump on time. Uh, there's all sorts of complications. The president wanted to add, qu- add questions that the courts threw out. It slowed down the process. There were some internal difficulties. The numbers weren't produced when they were supposed to be, and the legislature faces a deadline. Uh, things start to move. Uh, we're one of the earliest states in, in collecting and filing petitions. It starts in September of this year for the next 2022 election. Uh, and so they're caught in this bind. They don't have the final professional numbers that they need to work with. They've got to try to find uh, alternatives and sources that are reliable uh, to do their work. It's not an easy assignment. It wasn't made any easier by the Census Bureau. In a normal year, that wouldn't, you know, there wouldn't be any problem because the census data would come out, the Democrats uh, or whoever would be in control, Democrats in this case, could look at it, decide where the population changed, which where districts needed to be uh, in made bigger, made smaller, changed, whatever. But that data, and and specifically, this is sent, uh, like the 2020 census data, uh, that's just not available. And so my understanding is, or what I've read, is that Democrats in this case are using slightly older Census Bureau estimates. So that's going to be the, you may have heard something called the American Community Survey, which is something that the Census Bureau sends out every single year. And it's it doesn't go to every single household like the official census, but they use those numbers and calibrate it to the last um, to the last decennial census to track, you know, like what they estimate where where population has changed. And so, you know, one thing I want to want to want to point out is that it's the official census data uh, that, that they don't have, but you might hear arguments of like, well, we're still using data from the census bureau, which is technically true. There's just like a, there's a discrepancy between like the actual data and the estimates. And so in this case, the Democrats are using estimates or they say they're using estimates to, uh, to draw these maps. But at this point, we don't really know because they haven't released the set that they used to draw the most recent maps, which were released, I, I think a week ago.
So, Hannah, Illinois has become a much more democratic state since I was born and raised there in the 1980s. And as John Shaw points out right here, it's not exactly unusual for a state that is controlled by one party in the executive and legislative branches to have total control over redistricting. A party that controls the governor's mansion and the House and the Senate is inevitably going to going to write maps in a way that's advantageous to them. That is just sort of a cosmic law of 21st century American politics. But conversely, there's been this national democratic movement, and, and that includes funding initiatives in Republican states like Missouri to try to make redistricting, quote unquote, more fair, which I think is kind of like a euphemism to making the system more favorable to Democrats. How is this tension kind of playing out in Illinois where it's pretty clear that the Democrats are trying to create a map that's that's going to help Democrats kind of chafing against this national narrative that their party is, is putting forth? It's an interesting position that Illinois Democrats find themselves in, but I will say that I think they're helped a bit by the fact that Illinois politics has traditionally been more insulated from Washington Uh, politics, national politics, than uh, perhaps other states. Of course, here, Republicans, um, especially in what, like the last decade or so, um, they've become super minority parties, meaning um, Democrats, they have more than a three-fifths majority for, uh, you know, anything that they might want to do as long as they stick together. Three-fifths majority, of course, being the, um, uh, you know, it makes governor's vetoes null and void. Uh, And it makes, um, you know, voting on things after a threshold, uh, you know, not as hard as it might have been before. Uh, And like, so, and the other thing is here, uh, Democrats for decades and decades, they have used to their advantage um, the Voting Rights Act. And they say, well, we are, uh, you know, unlike... Uh, red states, we uh, we care about communities of color. We care about apportioning them uh, to make sure that they can um, elect, you know, someone who represents them, someone who looks like them, someone from their community. And so that allows them to, um, you know, craft districts that, you know, to some people's eyes uh, might look a little, uh, you know, Interesting. Uh, we'll talk about shapes, I think, a little later uh, because it's not what people think all the time. But yeah, I mean, so it's it's this um, the fact that Democrats are in charge and they have the Voting Rights Act uh, to fall back on and say, well, we are being eminently fair to communities of color and we are nothing, you know, they would never call it gen- gerrymandering, of course, but, you know, their gerrymandering is, you know, at core different than, um, you know, red states. But of course, Republicans don't see that it that way at all. Fair maps from what I've reported on or, or talked to with, with different people is like, it depends on who you're talking to. Who, what, who does, who is fairness for? Is, is, is it fair for Democrats? Is it fair for Republicans? Is it fair for voters? You know, there's, that's a big question here. And, and when, when we talk about fair maps, I kind of get this feeling that the other, the, the parties or the, the people who are out of power, they're like, we want this to be fair, but they're not saying who they want it to be fair for. 
Well, that's actually a good segue to my next pair of clips, Eric. Both of you guys are very good segueers, by the way. I'm going to play two clips back to back. One is of former Governor Bruce Rauner, a Republican, talking about how unfair the process is toward Republicans. And the next one will be House Minority Leader Crystal Quaid, a Democrat from Missouri, talking about how unfair the process is for Democrats in Missouri. Here's Rauner first. Illinois has some of the most gerrymandered districts in America where it's not competitive. We, we have our partisan drawn maps so that there's no competition and, and, and the politicians don't have to earn votes. And here is Quaid. Well, first and foremost, I would say the redistricting conversation is yet another frustrating one where the will of voters was completely undone and ignored. We all know clean Missouri passed and then the Republican legislature pushed through an overdoing of that. Um, and so, you know, we, we are frustrated and it's no secret we are not in a good position when it comes to redistricting. That said, um, from both the congressional and the legislative side, we have a powerhouse of legislators who are signed um, on, within our body to be dealing with the congressional piece. And I'm very confident with the work the Missouri Democratic party is doing on the appointments for the legislative pieces you know and we're just going to have to fight and um, it will most likely end up in the courts and we'll see what the courts decide on that front so i'll pose this question to both of you why do republicans in illinois are democrats in missouri deserve any quote unquote equal share in redistricting when they have lost critical elections pretty decisively which would provide them with the moral right to have an equal say in this process well, I mean, that's an interesting question because Republicans would say, well, you know, the reason that we've lost so much is because uh, one of the reasons, at least at core, is the maps are, you know, quote unquote, unfair to us. And um, the I, I will also say that, you know, I did just say a few minutes ago that Illinois politics has traditionally been insulated from Washington politics, but um, I Washington politics has, um, you know, especially during the Donald Trump years uh, for Republicans, um, not been an easy place to uh, be because, you know, they have to answer for things that um, they have nothing to do with, frankly. But it's it's just not been uh, a very comfortable place for Republicans to be in Illinois. Um, But I mean, when you look at um, election returns from, say, some down ballot, but still critical, like statewide uh, races. Republicans say, actually, you know, we we deserve better representation uh, than this. But of course, Democrats look at basically the same data and they'll point to things that uh, they view as evidence uh, of the opposite. We'll be right back after this quick break with more of Politically Speaking. And we're back on Politically Speaking with Eric Schmidt and Hannah Meisel talking about Illinois redistricting. So, Hannah, I want to go to you because you had a great piece in March where you talked with Senate President Don Harmon about redistricting. And one of the points that he made was about how national perceptions of how some of the districts in Illinois are shaped are completely wrong. And I'm going to play a clip from that interview right now. Too much importance is attached to shapes. It would be lovely if everything were organized in rectangles. But Illinois is not a rectangle, and there are plenty of uh, municipalities in the state that are incredibly irregularly shaped themselves. What's important in putting together a fair map is one that uh, 
reflects the communities of interest and, uh, and ties them together and gives everybody a seat at the table. So I think that the most notorious example of this is people look at the fourth district, congressional district of Illinois, which is shaped kind of like a claw and are like, that's an example of terrible gerrymandering. When in reality, it's shaped that way to guarantee that there is like Latino representation out of Chicago in the congressional delegation. And if you drew a square around that same area, it would still be like a 90 percent Democratic district. Uh, That's one egregious example, I think, of the misconception of shapes. Do you have any others that you want to share beyond that one, Hannah? Yeah, so in uh, the city of Chicago there, especially along the lakefront uh, and on the uh, south and east sides, there are some uh, very long, skinny, tall districts that stretch, um, you know, from the south side of the city, uh, you know, in some cases all the way down to the very south suburbs and even, you know, areas that would be considered way beyond the suburbs uh, to the exurban parts of um, you know, Eastern Illinois by Indiana. But, you know, then there's also in the proposed new maps, there's um, a district that would con- uh, connect the urban core of the city of Springfield to uh, Decatur, which is about, I don't know, like 45 minutes an hour away, depending on where you're going uh, in the city. And, you know, that's, of course, designed to keep the incumbent uh, Democrat from Decatur in that seat as um you know, the areas uh, continue to shift in population and also ideologically. Um, But, you know, in general, when people look at, uh, you know, Iowa neighbors, both obviously Illinois and Missouri, and Iowa is literally pretty much a rectangle. uh, And um, they have this process by which, you know, the Redistricting is done by, um, you know, supposedly independent legislative staffs, and they really do split up their state into mostly rectangles. However, I think what's missing from uh, that argument, that uh, perception, is that actually, you know, in a lot of places in Iowa where there are, um, you know, cities, college towns, Des Moines, Iowa City, and a few others, those districts are not at all rectangles. And, you know, those districts are split up in ways, um, you know, to that do elect Democrats. But the argument that, oh, a square is inherently fair is just not true because, again, you have to follow the Voting Rights Act. And so I think it's disingenuous when people look at, uh, you know, district maps and say, oh, well, that's, you know, clearly unfair. Sure, there are shapes that are gerrymandered, but there are shapes that are not. And I I think it does a disservice when people just freak out about um, shapes in general. And uh, because I feel like it makes folks without knowledge of the process feel just more powerless and, you know, frankly, outraged. Right. And also, and I'm looking at, I Googled the demographics of Iowa. Iowa's population is 4% black. Iowa is just a much more homogenous state. And also, Illinois just has a lot more um, mid-sized cities than Iowa does. And so you're going to get more irregularly shaped districts because of those two factors. Eric, I want to turn to you because I think one of the things people are paying attention to is how the Metro East 
changes, uh, especially with congressional redistricting. Illinois is losing a seat in congressional redistricting. As of this recording, we're recording this at 9.30 on Friday. We haven't seen the congressional maps yet. What are you hearing so far about that point? In, in speaking with the, you know, a couple of the political science uh, types in Illinois who look at this process, who've been involved in it, who've, who've seen what it, what it produces in the past, what they're saying is the districts in the Metro East downstates specifically are not really democratic territory. Uh, the voting trends in the past 10 years demonstrate that more areas are leaning more heavily to the Republicans. So drawing a, a district that would be a safe uh, Democratic congressional seat to come from Southern Illinois isn't really easy or in their best interest to do because it might, you know, the the trends might just continue. I mean, in the, in the past 10 years, we've seen uh, Madison County specifically for example, you know, traditionally had been a very hardcore blue union uh, type area. And in the past 10 years, it has trended very, very much more uh, to the to the right. I think in 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 2020 on the presidential side, it, it went to Donald Trump by maybe eight or 10 points, if I remember correctly. I don't have those numbers up in front of me, so it might be a little bit less. But it it is an area, an example of an area downstate that has shifted away from the Democrats. So yes, the, the Democrats could try and draw a district that would connect, you know, places like uh, parts of St. Clair County to the uh, college in Edwardsville, you know, swing that up to Springfield and Decatur and, you know, kind of uh, try and follow, you know, very, very thin lines to, to uh, encapsulate places like, you know, where, where the uh, University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign is and, you know, in Bloomington, normal area. Some of the places where there are more traditional democratic strongholds in the state, that would be possible. However, it's probably not likely to happen just because of, again, what the voting trends have said. And also because on the congressional side, there is a uh, there's a requirement that every single congressional district have, you know, at least 700,000, 750,000, I think, uh, people in them. So if it, if the state Democrats were to try and make this kind of a map for a, for a safe Democratic downstate district, there might not be enough people in the rest of the state to protect the 13 seats that they already have, you know, because you have to have a certain number of people in these districts. There might not just be enough people to, to, to fill the rest of the districts up. And, and they also and, want to protect, they also want to probably shore up uh, Lauren Underwood and Sean Caston's districts as well, which are mar mm -hmm. which are not Democratic districts right now. If yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the, the, the point here is that state Democrats are most likely going to want to draw a map that first and foremost protects the 13 the 13 seats that they're already sending to the to the house and make make the one seat that Illinois is losing make it be one of the republican seats and it it doesn't in this is not a personal uh, it's it's like not personal who they knock out. So I've I've seen people muse about like oh maybe they're gonna put Mary uh, Mary Miller in the fifteenth and Boss together in the in the twelfth and you know just because you know we want to get rid of you know one of them specifically that's just an example but the 
in this case, the politics isn't personal. It's just like if you can get one Republican out then and you still are sending the same amount of Democrats that you were in 2020, then you've done your job as it relates to partisan uh, map making on the congressional side in Illinois. So I want to talk about the two potential outcomes that could complicate this process. Um, the, the first is, let's just say they this is an unlikely scenario, but let's just say that the maps don't get done in time and it goes to the commission that Hannah talked about earlier. I actually want to play a clip now from Nate Kennedy. He's a Democrat from Southeast Missouri who was on a Missouri State Legislative Redistricting Committee in 2011. And and he explains why a lot of people that want commission-based redistricting as opposed to legislative redistricting, and I don't think he's in favor of legislative redistricting, by the way. I think he's kind of in favor of an Iowa-like system. Why bipartisan commissions actually leave a lot to be desired? Well, I think Missouri's system is a little better than most states for drawing the state legislative districts. We do have two bipartisan commissions for the House and Senate, but uh, they're still partisan. So even though commissioners had worked with their uh, partisan counterparts and from each of the congressional districts around the state and had drawn maps together and had come to an agreement, when it came time to vote a map forward uh, in the preliminary vote, uh, what you saw was the party bosses, especially from uh, the Republican side, come in the room and suddenly those uh, GOP commissioners who had been working with their Democratic counterpart uh, were were against voting for a map. So we deadlocked, and it went to another panel of judges, and for all intents and purposes, was drawn in a smoky back room. The Missouri system is not the same as the Illinois system in the sense that if there's a deadlock, it doesn't go to a panel of appellate judges you have to draw a name out of a hat, as, as you mentioned, Hannah. But are you hearing similar things from Democrats about kind of why a commission-based system isn't really all sunshine and rainbows and would fall into a lot of partisan traps if it was ever implemented? They're not even really going there, honestly. Uh, they have stuck to the line that, oh, they have a June 30th constitutional deadline. Um because they also know that whatever they say in public, either in these hearings or, you know, to reporters, and it's made part of the public record when we publish it as news, it's all going to be a subject um, for, you know, lawsuits that are coming. Um, you know, that's an eventuality. The maps are sued over every year. They're not, they're actually rarely successful, but I've spoken to people in the last a uh, week or so who have been actually involved in the few successful lawsuits. And yeah, I mean, but uh, folks that I talk to on background, they're like, yeah, I mean, the the appointed commission uh, set out in the Constitution, not great, obviously. And if we had an independent commission, I'm not sure, uh, you know, even if you picked like the be- the smartest people, the best people, um, I'm not sure that it would uh, give you what you wanted in the end anyway, because uh, people are people. People are squirrely, and 
I don't know. It's I've come to the conclusion, honestly, that there are no good ways to draw maps, just bad ways and slightly less bad ways. My understanding is the only way to change the process is for the legislature to put something on the ballot and that the chances of the legislature voluntarily ceding their power to draw districts, I think is to say it would be unlikely would be an understatement. I think the chances of that are basically zero. Yeah. So there are two uh, ways to... Uh, amend Illinois' constitution, um, you know, either through the legislature or a citizen-led initiative, but that's prohibitively difficult. And in 2016, um, the Supreme Court threw out an effort to get um, a question on the ballot to actually change the process to an independent redistricting commission. Uh, but the uh, Democrats on the state's high court in a four to three decision said, no, sorry, that doesn't meet the uh, the very high bar for changing the state's constitution. Now, uh, when he was running in 2018, uh, Governor J.B. Pritzker said, you know, I will veto a map that is unfair and you know partisanly drawn and um you know he called for an independent commission and he also went a step further and said even if the constitution isn't changed we should have an independent sort of commission of course in, in fact in fact here is me asking him that question i'm going to include my actual question because i want to make it clear like what i was actually asking him JB, uh, the vice president mentioned the, the problem of gerrymandering, and, and Illinois is probably one of the few states where Democrats in the legislature gerrymandered themselves to an advantage. If, if you're governor and they send you a map that is obviously gerrymandered against Republicans, would you veto it, and, and why? I will not sign a bill that is gerrymandered. I have been for independent maps for a long time now. I really believe that we got to have more fair elections. I want to limit terms for leadership in Springfield, but I don't want to limit terms for our legislators. I think if you've got a good legislator and you like them, you should be able to reelect them, but they should be in districts that are fairly mapped so that you have real choices if you're a voter. So you would stand up to someone like Mike Madigan if he tries to create a state legislator congressional map that helps Democrats? I will stand up to Mike Madigan. Okay, obviously Mike Madigan is out of the picture, so that last part is kind of obsolete. But notice, I didn't ask him if he would veto a map if it wasn't if it was wasn't drawn by a, a commission. I specifically asked him, would you veto a map if it was clearly beneficial to Democrats? And it seems like, I mean, he hasn't gotten maps yet, and he hasn't made a decision on this. It seems like he's backing away and is probably just going to sign whatever comes to him. So. Is he flip-flopping on this, Hannah? Yeah, <laughs> I, I I hate that term, but yeah, I mean, there's not really any way to put it. Um, I think he did it very uh, unartfully when he uh, was finally asked like a definitive, like a very good question that he couldn't back away from, uh, you know, reading his own words from 2018 back to him. What um, Democrats have said, but um, I feel like, it, the message is not getting through is that they believe uh, they've you know spoken to council and they say that uh, having a an independent commission on alongside the legislature the you know the legislators actually drawing the, their maps would be unconstitutional but he just did it in the most unartful way and I think that Republicans will excoriate him for that uh, during you know 
re-election uh, next year. Not that he's officially announced yet. Eric, this is actually a clip from John Shaw again about whether there would be actually any political blowback for Pritzker on this issue. So I don't think he he, he perceives it to be a very major uh, political drawback to to sort of, you know, to sidestep that pledge. I'm sure whatever maps emerge, he will say, you know, are are fair in some way. And I, I kind of agree with that. I, I am obviously very into redistricting, but I have not seen a lot of evidence that people will vote people out of office because of their opinions on it. But like, why even say like what was in the other clip in the first place if you're not actually going to follow through on it? Well, fair maps are something that most people agree on. Most people agree in the philosophical and the moral sense that fair maps are good, that you should have a, uh, that people should have a fair chance at, at being elected. And it gets muddled by this being a partisan process, to be quite honest. And what Shaw told me later in that interview, or maybe it was in that clip also, is that when you when when you make these arguments of like, I, I am for fair maps, I'm going to make sure that everything is is not you know gerrymandered or or whatever you know that's something that people agree on but it's not something that voters necessarily will punish you for um it's not necessarily something that um that voters really even care about uh i think that in in pritzker's case i mean if this is a hill that he that he wanted to die on it would imperil a lot of the legislative elements that he would want to get done because it would piss off his republic his not republic his democratic colleagues in the in the state house and if if he's going to come back and and um and and veto a a map from them that would, would create bad will and as i think hannah mentioned earlier the democrats have uh veto proof majorities in illinois so it might even in this case i'm not i'm not sure specifically if this if this applies also to congress to legislative maps but the issue might be moot, so he might also um, be in a bind here in terms of, you know, if if you were to veto them, well, the the, the legislature could just send it back. I think that they're the the bigger scare for Democrats is they just don't they don't want to get let this get into a process where Republicans could have an ounce of of control, and that is that's just what where politics are these days. Well, Eric, Hannah, I, I could talk about this issue literally for hours, but I, I think we're going to leave it here. Uh, thank you so much for talking with me about this. For all of our stories, stlpr.org. Hannah, how can we find out more about your work and your station and also where we would follow you on Twitter? Sure. Uh, we're at nprillinois.org, and I'm on Twitter at Hannah Meisel. Eric, uh, how can we follow you on Twitter? You can follow me at Eric D. Schmid. However, I, I am taking a break from Twitter, kind of reevaluating how I want to be present on social media. So Man, um, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I sometimes have that thought, too. But you can follow me on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. And as a reminder, Politically Speaking is a product of St. Louis Public Radio, which is part of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Thank you all for joining me. And until next time, so long. From St. Louis Public Radio.
This is Politically Speaking.